welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, it's the new year, and with the new year brings time to break down some basketball. But first, you know, how, how was your new year? How was uh, Christmas and New Year's? We, we hadn't talked since before the holidays. How, how did it all go? Uh, you know what? Christmas was good. Um, I very much enjoyed it. We, we got, uh, got to visit family, uh, got to see friends this weekend for New Year's and friend Christmas, and that was good. Uh, I'll talk about that more in the D block probably, but, um, yeah, sure. it was a good time. And, uh, how was yours? Santa came. So it was, it was, it was happy around the house. Uh, everybody must've been good enough. Um, so yeah, it was good. And, and new year's was chill. Like I like it. I think new year's is one of the most overrated holidays. So, uh, nah. I'm, I'm, it doesn't even, I don't even roll with it. So we, we stayed in and, I had a good day uh, that day with uh, the investments, so I just basked in the glory of that on, on New Year's Eve. But let's dig into basketball where we have it. So it's kind of a district preview kind of thing, uh, talking about what we're projecting on the season, but also kind of saying where we're at as we head into the districts. And let's start with Stanton, who I think has to be the favorite. Uh, I know they're in 3C, and last year they did make it to the Class 3 state playoffs, losing in the state quarterfinal to Cave Spring off of a 21-6 and six season. And, you know, with, with a program as storied as Stanton, with all the state champions they've had, with all the, you know, great coaching by Hatchers and Terrell Mickens right in that mold as well, you know, you, you kind of have to look at them as the favorite when they're returning guys like Manny Chapman, um, and, and Jack Jones and Braylon Fields and a lot of other names that are familiar there. Um, so I'm really excited about the possibilities there uh, with, with them coming off a state run, with them having that experience, and then the amount of talent that they're bringing back. Sure, they lost some, they lost some talent from last year's team, sure. They did. But, you know, Manny Chapman was kind of the guy last year, and, and him being back, it, it kind of makes those high expectations um, legitimate. And, and can you build from that, or are you getting back to that spot? But, you know – it starts with making it back to states, and then and then worry about those next goals. And I, I think those I think those are legitimate hopes. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys that obviously you look at and you're like, man, that's going to be tough to replace is Cable. But you're right. I mean, they do bring back a lot as well, and they have some newcomers to the team that really make them a, a dynamic threat. And you know, it, it, they had a good year last year, and they lost to a really good Cave Springs team. And sure, you, you got to think they're the favorite in the Shenandoah District. You do wonder, you know, if you get into the region, how that shakes out. Because 3C is not yeah, an easy region to tough. win. Not an easy region to win. And if you get in there and you you happen to be the region runner-up again, how much better can you fare in the state quarterfinal knowing you're going up against Region D, which is typically Roanoke area teams, which also a really tough region to come out of. Um, so, And, and I, think, I think you nailed that right on the head. Like, how, how do you better your outlook? And that mm-hmm. is, instead of being the runner-up, being the, the region championship. And, and, you know, having that goal, having that hope, I don't think is crazy for this team. No, it's not. There's plenty of talent. And then the pedigrees there, obviously. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I just keep saying it's legitimate because I think often we'll throw hopes at teams. And probably going down this list, I'll start doing that. But with, with Stanton, I think that's legitimate hope of, of them getting back to where they were. Yeah, I think Stanton is the uh, – I mean, you never know with Class 1, but – Outside of class one, I'm going to say Stanton, well, maybe including class one, because I'm just not sure what we're going to get from Buffalo Gap this year either. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. I would say Stanton's probably the best shot you have at a team making it to his making a state run in this Shenandoah district. And if Stanton doesn't, I'm not sure we're going to have one. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't argue with that. I mean, I like what they've done with their schedule even so far, kind of moving this conversation to like where they're at in the season as they're getting ready for district play. Um, you know, all their losses. Yeah, they're four and four, but their four losses are all very tight games. Two to Harrisonburg by a combined three overtimes in those two games uh, with two overtimes in the second time they matched up, I believe. Uh, they just absolutely battle with class five Harrisonburg and and that's an old rivalry and there's a lot there. Um, but absolutely battle with them. Lord Botetot's not an embarrassing loss. Um, you know, just everything was right there. They're battling and over the game. And then, and then in some of their wins, they put people away. I really think they've set themselves up to really do well in the district. And then, and they can look back at those early season lessons with that quality of play that they were against. Um, as they go through this regular season district schedule that, probably isn't going to challenge them the same way, you know, out of these eight games, they've been challenged uh, six of those eight games. I I think in the next eight games, they they probably won't get challenged uh, in six of those games. I agree. And and so that's why, you know, when we're talking earlier, we're kind of not even touching on the Shindua district as a goal for Stanton because frankly, it's not, frankly, it's not a goal. Uh, It's, it's expected. If they don't do that, then, then there's other problems and those goals all of a sudden become unobtainable and, we're talking about a, a, a disappointing season. Um, so, so what, yeah, go ahead. yeah it, honestly, it reminds me of, you know, kind of their, their history in their past in the, in the past yeah. Shandua district or, you know, a district title didn't really mean all that much. It was, we want to win region championships. We want to win state championships and I, you know, a state championship might be too lofty of a goal in class three this season for Stanton, but I think getting into the state tournament means you're in that region championship game. Hopefully you win yeah. it. I think a region but championship also a is a realistic of, goal. of all those banners on the wall. Once you get all those banners up on the wall, it, it does start to, that's what I'm saying. You like you the, the Shandua district championship that much sooner, even if it's legitimate or not. Yeah. Shandua district isn't going to kind of no. feel good enough to a program like that. No. I agree. And one of those other teams that you would think has a chance in the Shenandoah district. And it's the only other team that's mm-hmm. really vied for the, see the district championship year in year out uh while we've been doing this podcast is wilson memorial and jerry jeremy hartman in seventh year uh last year 16 and 6 lost in the 3c quarterfinal as the 4c lost the home game against the 5c rustburg and they're looking to improve and they they had the district player of the year last year and he's gone finn irving so they they have some holes to fill here Uh, i think you know overall the note i kind of wrote here was high ceiling but like the growing pains are probably likely so while you, while you acknowledge there's a high ceiling there where you have a lot of guys that played a big role on the team last year, they weren't the guy. So who's going to step up and be that guy? And and I think you're going to see that in the district season. Here in the non-district season, I think we've seen a couple different guys kind of take their turns. And so I think you're they're going to need one or two guys to kind of establish it's one of these two guys probably they're going to help lead them going the way they're four and four record right now at this point in the season, I feel like is a touch disappointing. I think it's, it's another case where they're tested and, and maybe the district won't test them the same way. I think that's a similar thing here because they're playing solid three C region, uh, you know, region three C teams, but being four and four in those isn't great. And and in some of those wins aren't against those three C teams. So I, it, it worries me for their postseason outlook, but I do think they'll be very competitive in the district across the teams we're about to talk about. 
and then they'll, you know, they'll go into those Stanton games hoping to, to battle them. And I, and I think they might be reaching up there, but you know, we've seen them have some big games with Stanton, especially in these last couple of years. And I, I know there's been some chippiness and this and that. I think those will be fun games to watch good tests for those two teams when, when they do match up. Yeah, you know, I I know we're kind of saying Stanton is going to win the district and it's a race for second place. And honestly, I don't even know how much of a race for second place there's going to be because if if Stanton does win, Wilson, I think, is second. Um, And I I think for Wilson, a a nice goal would be trying being competitive in those Stanton games. It's a big rivalry anyway. Being competitive, if you pick one off, hey, then all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Maybe the Shindua district yeah. is within your reach and and you can kind of prove Leland and I wrong. And maybe they can be that team that gets into a region championship and tries to make a state run. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I'd say a realistic goal is getting into that region semifinal. Um, Advancing in 3C, yeah. Yeah, getting out of the first round. Um, but like you said, losing a player like Finn Irving, that's going to be tough. And that's yeah. that's what would worry me about Wilson Memorial getting there. But as you just said, I mean, I, the worst thing that could happen to Wilson Memorial is they continue to have kind of the yo-yo results that they've had right now in terms of mm-hmm. looking good, looking not so good. Splitting um, with teams. Yeah. yeah, splitting with teams. And and Fort, who we're getting ready to talk about, who hasn't looked as good yet, but new new system there. They got Those players need to learn that, and there's some growing pains there. If by the time they're getting around to playing Wilson, if that's starting to click, that that could be bad news for Wilson. Because even though that system isn't going to be new to Coach Hartman and it's not going to be new to Wilson Memorial necessarily, um, it's going to be – it's a tough system to handle all the time. And so I I think for Wilson Memorial, second place is, you know, a likely landing spot and outside shot at first. Um, worst case scenario. They I should have a similar expectation. Like you talk yeah. about staying expecting to win. Like Wilson ought to expect at least second and try to vie for the exactly. first. Is, is that, is that stretching yourself? Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, but like, I think that's good. Yeah. Um, You bring up Fort Defiance. I think Fort Defiance is the crazy team. Cause this is the first year the Mike Gale, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what do we, we, we Fort three Fiance, yeah. and the old ridiculous system. And, uh, you know, Mike Gale is an alum from Fort. So like happy for him to be where he grew up and playing. Um, it's a team that came, it's coming off a uh, loss to Spotswood in the quarterfinals last year, uh, finishing third in the district. I, I think their goals need to be top half of the district, but the way they've started with two and six, um, you know, having lost Tyreek Vini, one, one of the best players in the district last year, one of the highest scores in the district last year, you know, and, and figuring out what you got with Sam Garber. I think he's been kind of the leader so far, but I, I know Cruz is also a big player for them. I know Heb does a good job for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's this system that I really watched happen at Stewart Strap. And this is before your time here where he early at Stewart Draft every year they'd start out two and six or, you know, and even in the district season, like be way down. And then all of a sudden at the end of the season, they're surging because they get it and they get the system. I really right now, I'm not going to say, Oh, Fort is a, is on their way to a two and six type of season, you know, like expand it from there. I think at some point they'll surge because I've seen Mike Gale's teams do that time after time. So I'm not going to write them off yet. At some point it'll be too late if if they never get it going. But I, right now I'm not going to just, you know, 
equate that two and six to mean, okay, they're a bottom half of the district kind of team. So I'm really waiting to see that kind of turn for them. I do think teams like Stanton, it's going to be tough because when you see what Fort Defiance has done this year with the teams they've already played, I mean, they've given up a hundred in a couple games. When Stanton plays against a team that's running that system and, and they might be a little like better at taking advantage of what that defense, what that system will give you, then that's tough games for them. But they really need to dominate in all those other games. Like anybody below them in the stadiums, when we talk Gap, Riverhead, Stewart, Straps, Waynesboro, they need to dominate those games. That's where they need to be getting feeling right. So then they're rolling into those Wilson-Stanton games that much better. So I'm really interested to see that turn in their season. Uh, it just hasn't happened yet. And the other thing to keep in mind, you know, I know you're talking about before I got here necessarily, and that, that's when Stewart Straff was doing a lot of crazy things. Um, the district tournaments aren't a thing anymore. And, and so that's not a way yeah. to buy your way into that region tournament that it used to be. Um, you right. know, it used to be an out. If you, Oh, you know, we didn't yeah. have the regular season we wanted, but we got hot at the right time. We we won our region ter- or district tournament, and that got us that's into the region point. tournament. That's not a thing anymore. Now, it's, now it comes down to yeah. PowerPoints. I, I miss that district tournament. I missed that district tournament because I think that was a good thing. Um, but, yeah. yeah, that's it's not the way we do it now. And so – Especially 3C when you're lower seeded. Oh, yeah. To go in with your crazy system to a really high seed. You could surprise three and four seeds, you know, in that district tournament or then – but then when you're still playing when Spotswood or something like that, it's, that's tough. Yeah. Well, we saw that when Seward's draft would go on a crazy run, upset some people in the Shenandoah district, and then they played East Rock. And yeah. East Rock – had Tyler Nickel and um, yeah. the other kids' names escaping me, but went to play JMU. Um, Dalton Jordan Jefferson. Jefferson, something like that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Um, and th- <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> they've got. Point is, they have two D one players on their team, and they're just embarrassing yeah. you. Like, that's yeah. a great point. It, it now, if you have a rough season, maybe you get in as a bottom seed in the three C tournament, and then you get annihilated. So. Yeah. That's that's what Fort Defiance is going to hope to avoid. Looking down here and probably moving a touch quicker because the expectations quite aren't quite as there. Buffalo Gap they lost a lot of talent. Bennett Bowers is gone. Micah Canterbury, both D, you know, uh, next level players at, at at their sports. Bennett Bowers, I know, went to play basketball. Micah Canterbury, I believe, playing baseball. Mm-hmm. So good athletes out the door. They're kind of left with the role players that supported those guys last year. And even the, even their coach in the interview for the Harrisonburg newspaper kind of said, you know, we've been 500 the last four years. We're definitely looking at maintaining that. Like, you know, like he wasn't saying we're shooting for the stars here and the district title, not that they wouldn't want that, but I think they also acknowledge that they're kind of pulling things together here. Now I do like the way they started with a six and four start to their season. They played a lot of class one teams to get those, that six and four win in record. So you, you do measure that on how that's going to play in the district, but in the end, Buffalo gap gets dumped into class one state playoffs. And, and that's where we've seen Buffalo gap uh, and both boys and girls sides really come alive. Some of these seasons last year, not so much when they lost in the semi to Franklin, but other years we've seen those kind of runs happen in class one and especially region one B. So I think that's the important thing for Buffalo gap this year with Chad Ward in his ninth season to really, you know, prepare them for that class one playoff. So I think we're seeing good things early. They might have some growing pains there through the district where they're kind of probably in the middle of that district, maybe, maybe not in the upper half, uh, but to learn those lessons and then make them pay off in the playoffs and see if you can find yourself in a first round of a state playoff or something. going to get tough from there. I, I, you know, teams like Lancaster and those ones out of uh, region one, a are still, there, still tough, but 
I think it would be your goal to be competitive in this region tournament when you get there. And I think this district, for, for how his gap is concerned, can prepare them for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the top end is definitely going to prepare him for that. And maybe the yeah. middle tier can as well, because, I mean, we touch on it all the time. We don't think a lot of 1B in any sport, really. Um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my fear is that they they didn't have success in 1B last year, and I'm not sure I can honestly, at this point in the season at least, look at that team and say they're better than they were last year. Yeah, I think it was tough seeding for them last year, and, and it's going to be tough to get higher seeded. I mean, yeah. like, that, that's the problem in the district. They end up winding up the four seed, and when you get that one seed first, it, they really need to be striving for that two, three seed just so they get that one easier game before getting dumped into the tougher stuff. So I I, I see what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. But, you know, if they stay 500, they'll be a top four seed probably in Region 1B. I think that's like a legitimate hope. Um, so I think if, if they can manage this going forward, stay in the middle of this district. Don't let yourself drop deep into that second half. You'll be all right. Oh, my concern there would be, right, that like uh, Riverheads might be one of those teams that's a little bit better than they were last year. Maybe. And they just beat them the other night in a tournament game. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Um, that that let's talk about Riverheads. Yeah. Yeah. So Read with Riverheads. Heads, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a third season for Coach Weller. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, here's the thing. I mean, this is a team that I think can honestly uh, – you have on here no seniors. That's yeah, ast- astonishing. Um, so it's a year that you're trying to build some success and, and then build on that for next year. I, I think this is a team that honestly – Last year was kind of disappointing, so it's one of those things on, and not to run down those kids from last year, but when we talk about experience coming back, okay, is it good or bad experience? We'll see, but they graduated some of those guys from last year's team, and so it's new players coming in, and and you got to think, like, okay, well, hey, we can improve on what we did last year. It was definitely a disappointment for Riverheads. Um, They wanted to be better than that, but I I think – it's it's a program that has the potential to be battling in that middle stack of teams. They're a team yeah. that if when we were talking about Fort Defiance, if Fort Defiance isn't clicking and Fort Defiance just isn't getting the Fort Three Defiance system and they continue to struggle and it's a slow learning process there, that on it, Riverheads is that team I think could fill that void Scratching and, and yeah. that's and I, I'm not sure Gap Gap is going to be another team that's in that battle, but as you just said, Riverheads beating them in a tournament already, uh, yikes, that not a great sign for Cap yeah. being able to accomplish that. Yeah. And that was a close game. I mean, that was a close game. So, I mean, they still got to play him twice for, for the Shenandoah district. So those will be interesting games to watch if, if that result switches any, I, I like your idea that they could kind of scratch up if, if Fort Defiance isn't quite clicking later into the season and that kind of stuff. And, you know, have those battles with Buffalo gap. So I like, I like what you're saying there. And plus, if they're able to do that with no seniors, with the juniors, that could really set themselves up for the future. And I think when you get down to this part of the list, there's a lot of talking about not just what this year's results can produce, but it's kind of the building of the program. And, you know, Coach Weller in his third season, it's getting to be his way, his kind of guy, you know, his kind of guys playing his kind of ball. And uh, they have a lot of talent coming. I will say, not even next year, but on down the line, there there's a kind of a solid little group of talent that's coming. So I, I think there's a horizon out there for Riverhead. So I think it's just kind of keep grinding forward, getting better. I think it's really important for this team to kind of get back to that like 
500 mark in the in the district at least like at least you know be in that six and six range there drop into three and nine last year I agree disappointment because we're used to seeing them be in that six to six if not poking a little bit up above that um yeah, it's gone back a little bit for, since they've been doing that. But still, I, I think that's going to kind of be their important thing. Make sure you're in that 500 range, especially in the district. Um, and, and they're not too far off that with their non-district here. So I, I, that's how I kind of look at seeing the season build. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. But I, this next team we're going to talk about is honestly a team that I also include in that group. And I think they might have the best shot at if Fort they Defiance do. is struggling. They, they have the best shot yep. at being that team that jumps up in there. Uh, behind Wilson and Stanton, and it's because of what they return. And, and this is a team that Coach DeWitt in his fourth season, um, they, they had, they're they a team that similarly had a rough regular season last year, were a seven seed, had to play a really good Madison County team in the first round, and it just didn't go their way. Um, but I think this year they can build on that. I think they can have a much better 2B seed. Yeah. And when you look at what they're returning, it's, it's going to be – this is a Stewart's draft team that honestly – on a good night, could maybe challenge Wilson. And so that yeah. that's I, – I think Stewart's draft is the expectation there should be we're going to be that team that's behind Stanton and Wilson, and we're going to try to claw at those guys and give make them not enjoy playing us. They're bringing back enough Great. talent to be in those games. I don't know how many they're going to win, but they're, they have the talent to be competitive if they're really playing and really clicking like – like their potential honestly is. I mean, I know they already beat Riverheads once this year, uh, and they're five and three to start this with the non-district included. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this is a this is a dangerous Cougars team this year. I agree, especially inside the district. I don't know how much I like them going too deep into Region Two B or advancing out of Region Two B. But if you get in that upper half and you're hosting some games, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start growing some confidence there. I like that their returners are big scores. You know, Donovan Jenkins, um, Harley Frame, even Landon uh, Graber. Like those guys scored points last year. And you look at some of these other teams when it's like, oh, here's our best returners, and they're averaging around five points. These guys are averaging ten, eight, nine points a game. So I like that their their guys are depending on are used to scoring the basketball. So I agree with you. I think when we went through Fort Gap Riverheads. I was just kind of waiting to stretch draft because I do think that's the team that I, I I don't, I hate to limit them that their ceiling is second, but I think like second's relevant to talk about. Yeah. So I, I really look forward to that first Wilson Stewart draft matchup. I'm sure we'll talk about it when it, that's coming up that week. And, and then there's Waynesboro. And this is a team that's just kind of, you know, gutted it and <laughs> let's rebuild it up with coach John Spears in his second season. And that's the kind of coach that you have confidence that can build it right and build it good. And, uh, you know, it, when they talk about, you know, who they lose from last year, it, they didn't really say anybody. And when, who do you have returning? They only mentioned a couple guys. So like, I, I think there's a lot of new there and you have a lot of newcomers and a lot of guys off a of JV's team last year that are, are really going to have to build this in place. And if, if I didn't know coach Spears and, and, and the, and the pedigree he brings in the Waynesboro community, then I maybe have more questions of, is that legit? But no, I, I have confidence. This is going to continue to get built in the same way, you know, improving on last year's record is goal number one there. I mean, two and 10 in the district, you know, go out there and, and do better is, is, is your first goal. And I think we've seen that in a couple of Waynesboro sports and we've seen it where they've done that in a couple of sports. So I, I expect it here. I, I don't think, uh, uh, two and 10, I, I think they do better than that. I think, 
Uh, I don't know if they quite get to six and six this year, but, you know, I think they might, you know, find those four wins here and there and pick somebody off surprising. And that could be fun for that team to, to build that and take that first little step. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think this is a Waynesboro team that not having the, the, the great start to the season that they wanted, but um, potential for them to, to build something for the future. And I, I honestly think if you're yeah. Waynesboro, you're just looking to try to pick off a game here and there in the district when you can. And you're not really, I, I don't think the three C tournament is a realistic goal this year, but maybe next year. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, so that was the boys. Uh, obviously we're positive about Stanton. I think Wilson, Stewart, Straff, Fort Defiance are the, are the first names to say after that. So we'll see how the season unfolds. We'll start breaking it down week to week uh, as we go forward. Over on the girls' side, you know, Wilson Memorial's the team that, you know, ended up finishing top for the district seeding going into the region tournament. Uh, you know, they they placed higher than Fort Defiance there. So, um, and, and there's good reason. They have longstanding coach, uh, 17th year, Jackie Bryan, uh, coaching there at Wilson, which is impressive. She's been there that long, and it, it's incredible. And and also, CeCe Robinson, she was player of the year coming back. Uh, you know, averaging over double figures, also big on the boards. I mean, she's a presence on the court. And, and it's kind of tough for a lot of these other teams to match up with her and what she's able to do down low and, and all over the court. I mean, she's really able to score from, from everywhere. So, uh, you know, they're looking to get back into that Region 3C playoffs and be competitive. Last year, losing to Spotswood in the Region 3C quarterfinals, like getting past that is kind of their, their goal. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, we talk about 3C being tough on the boys. I think it's even tougher on the girls' side. I, I mean, it's just so competitive in 3C. Um, you know, we've seen state champions come out of 3C uh, with TA and Broadway and Spotswood. Those are a lot of those Valley District teams. Uh, can Wilson kind of match up with those teams? And, and as the season's gotten started, they, they're kind of even with those teams. They played a lot of the TAs uh, and Spotswood – or, uh, yeah, Spotswood's from memory. Um, and, and they've they've not – won them all, but they haven't lost them all. So I think they need to improve on that confidence as they go into the postseason. Now they're going to go into district play. Uh, they'll get battled by Fort Defiance, who we'll talk about, and Buffalo Gap. But, you know, I think in my mind, as, as confident as we we're about Stanton winning that district, I, I'm pretty similarly confident with Wilson finishing right there at the top of this district again. Yeah, uh, this is a Wilson team that I think is going to be expecting kind of like we said with Stanton on the boys side, Wilson is expecting to win this district. I think that's a realistic expectation. I, I think they might, there's potential to see a little bit of uh challenging there. I, I think Buffalo gap is going to challenge them a little bit. We'll talk about them. And there's a dark horse that we'll talk about here in a little bit that I think might give them a game or two as well and maybe make it an interesting race. The good news for Wilson, as you said, when you get into that region, three C quarterfinal. It's a lot of good teams. Spotswood did lose some key pieces, including Zoli Khalil. That's at VCU. Now Um, they had some D one players that are gone. So the hope if you're Wilson is that they're not able to just reload and and you can maybe get deeper into that region tournament, getting into a region championship game would be amazing because that means you're in a state tournament. That's really hard to do in that region. I'm not sure that I see Wilson going that deep, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. For Defiance, uh, they finished, you know, up there with Wilson last year, starting awful rough this year with a two yeah. and seven start. Have been challenged a lot with a new head coach. You do kind of grind your teeth at that. They have good talent back with Trinity Hendrick back. 
Uh, but I also like a lot of the young talent that Fort Defiance brings. So I think some of that is that coming together. So I, I do have a little bit of faith that maybe this district season, they show that a little bit more here. Uh, but, uh, you know, just a slight slowdown of just expecting them to be at the top again. You, you hold off just a second, seeing that they started two and seven, uh, especially going with Greg Smith and they're in the more traditional style of basketball you know, getting this all sorted back out. I, I, I'm interested to see early signs from this team because I think if this kind of carries on halfway through the district season, I, I might write them off then. Yeah, it, the the start to the season has been troubling enough that I, I do. Yeah. I, there are two teams I I think will finish ahead of them. Um, um, I'm not going to chalk this up as the coach's the problem, but it, as we said, I mean, Mike Gale runs a very particular oh, no. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He it's runs new. a very particular yeah. system, and now this is another system that's going to be brought in, and it takes time yeah. for players to learn that, especially yeah. at the high school level. I think if they give Coach Smith time, Coach Smith can yeah. probably get Fort Defiance back to where they're used to being, and um, yeah. it's just it's a different system yeah. than what the team ran last year. And I'd have faith in that too, knowing the pedigree that the women's sports at Fort Defiance bring. I mean, they're yeah. so solid across the board with the women's sports. And I'm looking at the names on the on on who's returning and who's incoming uh, on this team. And, and there's a lot of talent there at other sports and softball and and volleyball that I would have faith that you know that's the kind of group you want to have to to turn this back into what it needs to be. Maybe this year's not the year they make that run, but I think they could set themselves up for the future. When you talk about other teams that can finish ahead. of Fort Defiance, Buffalo Gap's the first one I'm going to say, and I yeah. I think this is the year Buffalo Gap might you know really take a run at the whole district title here. Um, I, I give confidence to what Wilson can do, but I think Gap's going to be right back battling them. We've seen that in the past. We've seen those old they had the good rivalry going there with Philip Morgan against Jackie Bryan. The things that they've done, they bring back Avery Bradley, they bring back um, all these other girls, Taylor. I can't it, just so many girls. It, it's all the same names that we're used to saying. Ava Klein is gone, but so many pieces back there. So I, I have really no doubt that they are going to be competing in this district. I really expect them to be um, in that top three. And I think, you know, making their shot at, at number one, I think halfway through the season, I just wouldn't be surprised to see Buffalo gap, you know, sitting on top of this district. Cause I just think they bring back that much talent they made it to the state semifinals a year ago. They started eight and two. That's a good sign. I just all, all the things you want to see from this team are already there. And, and now here comes January and February to prove it right. Yeah. And, you know, one of those players you didn't mention was Hannah Kaufman. And that's another player who averaging double figure or double figures uh, is a yeah, dangerous yeah. weapon. And this is a Buffalo Gap team that I, I agree with you. I know I said Wilson Memorial kind of like the Sam boys, they're expecting to win the district because that's what they're used to. But I think Buffalo Gap, a realistic goal is winning the district. I'm with you on that. I think this is a team that yeah. absolutely could win the Shenandoah district. And I think this is a team that is going to be back in a state tournament. Uh, their goal isn't just to get to that state tournament. Their goal is to win the state tournament. And that's easier said than done. But because there, there, there are good class one programs. I but I, I'll tell you what, I think Buffalo Gap has a shot to, at to it this year season, to have their season end the way it did last year. I, I really thought they should have beat Rappahannock County. Yeah. I thought they were the better team in that game. I, I, I think that's I, if you had to lose, I think that was a good way to lose because they could really learn that lesson, have that burning in their stomach to get past that point and not let something like half that happen again. So I, I, yeah, I think 
I think this might be our best chance for a state championship in basketball, or at least a visit to Siegel Center in, in basketball amongst the boys and girls, because, uh, you know, and we say that, okay, well, it's class one, but that's what they are. They are a small school and yeah. class one. I mean, that's, that's what they are. They are class one. So it's not degrading them at all. And I think they'll have their challenges in the district. I don't think they're going to go undefeated in this district, but I think it'll be really beneficial for them to have played Wilson and the talent that they have at Fort Defiance and the, and the other, other teams we're going to talk about, I think that will really have them ready for what they would see in class one and, and be able to do well there. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Nine and three in the district last year was great. It was. And, and you know, they're already off to an eight and two start in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, I would expect them to be, man, I just, I'll be honest. I don't know how many games they lose to teams not named Wilson Memorial. Yeah. That's, that's how much I think of this Buffalo gap team. Um, Waynesboro, that's a team that's on nine and three. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, Waynesboro is a team that is not having the start they wanted to have uh, either yeah. uh, with Coach Napier, but Waynesboro program that you know we talk about all the time. Um, it, it feels like in all the sports, it's just a question of what kind of year they're going to have. Some of that is just I don't know. Uh, Waynesboro um, tends to struggle some in district play. Um, Whereas we talk about some other programs having more success. Uh, we're hoping Coach Napier can correct the rough start that they had in the non-district, but they lost some really good players in Madison Graham and Leandra Eubanks. So now can Caitlin Hall and uh, Coach Coach Napier uh, help turn this team around? We'll see. Um, but it's going to be a tough test, especially when you look at the other Class 3 competition. And, and they're a young team and they got a lot of sophomores yeah. back on this team. So, I mean, they were young last year. And I think when we talk about Waynesboro teams that kind of have rose up a little bit, that's what they were last year. You know, that was the five and seven, getting those five district wins. That was, that was kind of part of that. But so this start isn't in line with that, but when you look at their district record, they were only two and eight outside of the district last year. They they're kind of similar to that. So I, I think they could be out on a similar run this year. I it's just I'm not seeing what I would want to see to see improvement. So I, I think uh last year was the big jump in improvement. This might where it kind of flatten out a little bit as they're still building things back with Coach Napier in their fourth in her fourth season. But looking at Riverhead, Stuart Straff, and Stanton, they all have three, all three of those teams have new coaches. You have Caitlin Clark replacing Preston Woods. They're trying to improve on a three and nine record. Stuart Straft. You have Coach Siebert coming in, replacing Coach James Carter, trying to improve on a three and nine district region district uh, record there. And then you have Donta Robinson at Stanton uh, coming in first season, replacing Eric Payne. And Stanton is what I wanted to get to here because I think they have started out seven and two, showed me all that I want to see to kind of put them in. I kind of expect them to be in the upper half of this district and see who they can knock off up there. This is a greatly improved team already. Last year they were five and seventeen, and they're already seven and two this year. So I just I think we're already just seeing it just gel better. The players that are back are have bought in differently to produce winning, and so I just it's exactly what I want to see. I think they'll be pretty good in this district. Uh, how good is going to be up to them, and and maybe we're even still underestimating them. But I I put them in the upper half of the district, even with a first year coach coming off of a two and ten record. I agree. This is the dark horse team that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. I think this is this is a team that's going to surprise a lot of people. I, I I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think they're going to win the district. I'm not going to go that far. But I, I think top half of the district is absolutely yeah. the expectation at this yeah. point. And I, I think 
you know, they're going to be trying to get into that third spot. There, I, I think that's a real, real possibility here. Uh, when we're talking about some of the teams that are maybe not having the starts, like when we talk about Ford, we talk about, yeah. you know, is Riverhead's going to turn around? Is Draft going to turn it around? You know, well, I, I tell you what, this is a Stanton team that we're already seeing the turnaround. It's already just a question it. of yeah. can they keep it going? And this is a team that honestly, you know, as uh, I happen to talk and listen to uh, Tibbs talk to some other people when I'm at work. And, you know, he was talking at the end of the year last year. He's like, you know, our JV girls team was really good. I think we're going to see a lot better varsity team next season when they're up. And we're seeing that. And so this is, this is a team that I think is going to really shock some folks. I think I could see them in third, maybe battling for second. Um, They're going to push Wilson. And when I said, To Buffalo Gap, I don't know how many teams not named Wilson Memorial beat them. Stanton is that only team that I even put in that category because of the kind of start they've had. Yeah. Uh, so a lot to look forward to there with the girls. A lot of new coaches in that. Uh, that was four new coaches out of those seven teams. So a lot to kind of figure out amongst the girls side of the Shenandoah district. Uh, so there was our basketball season preview. We'll be talking about basketball as the season gets going here. Wrestling. I'll tell you what, wrestlers, uh, give me information, push information to me. There's not a lot just sitting out there. Uh, so uh, clue me in. I know Riverheads is always good. Wilson, Fort Defiance uh, have had a lot of history of being good. Um, we'll, as, as we see information, we'll talk about wrestling, but I don't have a good season preview. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a gladiator, so I'm just assuming Riverheads will be awesome. But uh, let's move it to college football where that's been mostly the sports that we've been watching while we haven't been on the podcast with all the bowl games. And I want to start with what I care about the most. That was Virginia Tech's bowl game. Uh, the military bowl for the Hokies, just kind of a lot of good, just a lot of good. I know the first half we've laid the ball on the ground a couple times. That kept Tulane right there in that game. But when we stopped fumbling the football, we took off. We won 41-20. to 20. And I'll tell you what. We've talked about Fuente, and I'm done talking about Fuente after this episode because Brent Pry is just moving us in the right direction. So many things are the opposite of the way that they were under Fuente. Fuente, we'd look worse in the second half of a game. We look better in second half of games throughout the season. We looked worse in the second half of seasons. Under Coach Pry this year, we looked better in the second half of the season. We really came alive, and that's what earned us a bowl game. We're doing great in the transfer portal where last year we needed uh, skill players. We needed running backs and wide receivers. We got these guys. We thought they were going to be, then they were, and they proved it on the field. This year in the transfer portal in December, we need guys. He's getting guys, and they look to be good, so we expect them to be good. So I just, I thought that game was kind of a microcosm of where this program is right now, and it's moving in the right direction, a little slow start, kind of figuring things out, and then move forward. I just thought that really represented us well. So I, I was completely happy after that bowl game and uh you know like to we got committed to us and uh i'm looking forward to next season for sure yeah i i agree and um i think this is a team that is trending in the right direction which is good that's what you want to see and this is honestly i think as you touched on um it's frankly the kind of uh, coaching performance that you were hoping for and the kind of program building you've hoped for under Brent Pry. 
Um, he he improved the team from last year. You you see the talent coming in. You see the recruits coming in. You see the players staying. I mean, they said during the bowl game, you know, uh, all eleven players on offense are coming back. Like that never happened with yeah with Fuente. Never happened. So not scratching at the NFL. Like I'd rather take a shot at the NFL and maybe not get drafted and stick yeah, around here. Yeah. Not, yeah. Now we're having guys stick here and like, let's get better. I think some of that is yeah. NIL, but yeah. Um, and, and yeah, but I, I think that Virginia tech is also just a, probably a more fun place to be under Brent Pry. And I think you're seeing that with the team and, and their energy levels and everybody's happy and you're not hearing the rumblings that you heard under Fuente. So, um, this is all good news. I, you know, you look at their schedule next year too, and it's, you know, Vanderbilt, man, you gotta think that's a win. Um, Marshall coming to Blacksburg, Marshall coming to Blacksburg. I, I love the idea that Grant Wells will be playing at Marshall potentially. <laughs> and you get to play that because that should be a win. Then it's the big bugaboo at Norfolk. Um, you know, that's been the boogeyman that needs to not be a boogeyman. Yeah. That needs to not be a boogeyman. You need to go, yeah. you need to go win that game. And I agree. Then Rutgers comes to Blacksburg. I would like to think Virginia Tech is better than Rutgers. Uh, to me, they need to be 4 0 coming out of the non district portion of their schedule. I agree. And I, I wrote on here, I tried to, I tried to come up with a push number for these three local teams that we're going to talk about uh, at least quickly here. And nine wins is kind of where I got with Virginia tech. I, I don't know if that's, you know, should be the expectation is that nine win or not. I, I, I don't know if that's fair yet or not, but I feel like that's the number you would first say, Oh, that's probably what we're going to be like. That's the push number. So where do you, I, do you think, do you think that's just the max or do you think we can overachieve that? Um, we know my answer, Mr. Optimism over here. We know my answer. Yeah. <laughs> looking, looking at the conference schedule as it is today. Um, <laughs> That's college football for you. Yeah. Well, no, I don't mean that. Like also like who's coming in. <laughs> Who's coming in the door? Who's yeah. leaving the door in terms of players? You get Stanford on the schedule, yeah. It's at Stanford, but you still think that should be a win. At Duke yeah, is going to be down. at Duke is going to be tough. Clemson's going to be tough. Georgia Tech was a I'm team hoping... that is Jekyll and Hyde. Um, the way Duke finished and knowing the guys they lost, I'm hoping next year's a little bit of a rebuild in, at, with Duke. They brought in a a guy who's highly touted. Uh, from Texas, I believe, to play quarterback. So I missed that. Then I missed. I missed. I think they're going to be. Then. I think they're going to be really good. Um, bunch of nerd. I want to beat them. Yeah, I'd love to beat them, but I think they're going to be really good. Um, <laughs> you you got to think you can beat UVA, Boston College, unless something weird happens. Needs to be a win. Yeah. Georgia Tech is a Jekyll and Hyde team. You just don't know. We'll see who ends right up playing quarterback it. at Miami. I don't know. That Mario Cristobal is going to be in trouble. You were really positive on him when they hired him. I, I still haven't totally departed. I want to see who he's able to get in at quarterback. I will say the fact that their quarterback, um, I, I'm starting to get the kind of 
Justin Fuente vibes of, wow, why is nobody getting better there? Um, yeah. That yeah. that would be my concern. Um, but, yeah, I, we'll see. Um, What's your answer? Over or under? Nine. Okay, I've, I've given them five all, or four. UVA, Boston College, that's six. Stanford is seven. Ooh, boy. Push. You can't push. Push at nine. <laughs> That's the whole reason I wrote it that way. I tried to get the push number, so you couldn't push. <sighs> then you, All right, then you put a half win in there. That's how you can't push. You put a half win in there. If you give me nine and a half, it's under. If you give me eight and a half, oh. See, I, was I guess over. But you got to put the half um, there. So JMU, they kind of had the opposite bowl experience where the game was disappointing. They didn't play well. I, I think it, you can credit a lot of that to just how every, the upheaval of the, of the postseason for JMU. They have a new head coach coming in. Their old coach is gone. The quarterback's in the portal. I'm sure he's talking to other teams on where he's going. But then here he's playing the football game. He didn't look as prepared as we had seen him throughout the season. So I, I'm quick as a, as a JMU fan to write that off. Mm-hmm. I know the public image after hearing JMU whine and cry all year about bowl games and stuff are, are quick to hop on them the opposite way. I understand that want to do that from other people, but I, I do write that game off. I think they do have a solid program there. Yeah, they're going to lose some players, and they have guys following uh, Signetti to uh, Indiana. They lost some other guys, but they brought some good guys in too. And I think uh, the coaching staff, I like a lot of the – people that he's brought in, who they've coached with, the programs they've been under. Um, so I'm interested to see how things go. But what we've seen with JMU is we've seen a lot of coaching changes in the last decade, and we've seen the program stay at a high level. Can they do that with Bob Chesney in year one? Can they stay, you know, a 9-10, you know, double-digit kind of win team like they've been? I think that's asking a lot, but – I don't know. I, I, that's, it's just, this is the number I struggled with a little bit more because I didn't know to make it seven or nine, you know, somewhere in there. I know that's where we're dancing around, but uh, what are your thoughts on JMU? I, I don't want to dig into the bowl game too much. I mean, it seems familiar because air force runs like riverheads offense just with college players. And so the blocking scheme was similar. And once they got the ball, they just didn't let it up. So I I don't want to dig on JMU about this game specifically, I, I just don't I don't I don't want to take that game and say that's who they were because that that didn't feel like who they were for the eleven other games. No, and JMU was no stranger to players opting out of that game. You know, I know we right. talked about a lot of them did want to play in the bowl game that were transferring, and that's great. There were some who didn't, and you know that that happened to pretty much everybody other than Air Force um, and Virginia Tech, I, I guess. But um, Oregon. Didn't happen in Oregon. That's true, too. Um, but, yeah, the bowl game sucked in in the sense they lost. But it's the first bowl game in program history. There were a lot of good things that happened with that. The fan yeah. base traveled pretty well, which I think is going to help JMU when they good. get – when they're being picked with other bowls in the Sun Belt allotment. The Sun Belt doesn't release their full – conference schedules for everybody, so it's kind of hard. It's not as easy with Tech and UVA who have already – had the conference opponents at least put out there to look at. I will say looking at their non-conference schedule, 
Charlotte better be a win. Gardner Webb better be a win. UNC's probably not a win. Ball State better be a win. So if your number is 10 and a half, then you're asking me, is the UNC nine game. Okay. Nine. nine and a half. If it's nine and a half, you're asking me, are we going to lose a conference game or two? Um, two. You're asking. Yeah. Um, again, hard to say without knowing who is coming back out of the portal or who we bring in from the portal yet. Um, you know what? I'll say over. <laughs> That's funny. Cause I'm a little bit under, I, I'm a little bit on the under. Side I wouldn't be shocked. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if it's under, but, um, maybe it's over. I, maybe I you think- get lucky again. I, Marshall's in there, and I don't think Ryan Willis is very good. So it, it really depends on who's <laughs> – We know. We who, know, Joe. <laughs> who comes in at quarterback at JMU? That's the question. Yeah. I I do think it might be under. I do think it might be a little bit of a wake-up call for the JMU fan base with football this year to just, just take a little bit of a step back. I'm not saying sixes. I think they make a bowl game next year. I, yeah. I, I, I think that stuff will happen. I just think – not have those 10 wins, not really be yelling and screaming about how great you are and, and maybe not be, you know, most of the season saying, Oh, we're going to this conference championship. You know, I think kind of realizing well, we lost that game. They're going to play in the conference championship. We're not going to be there. I think that might be next year's season. I like this coach. I think Jamie's going to be competing for some belt championships. I just don't know if next year is going to be able to swing that in year one with, with new coach. Cause I do think this transition is harder at the Sunbelt Conference than it was in the CAA and and, and FCS. So um, I, I kind of on the underside, but I think tight. You know, I, I, I could see nine. You know, I'd say under nine and a half, I could definitely see nine. So Yeah, I don't think ten. I don't think ten. I, I think nine, eight, yeah. somewhere in there is probably where JMU ends up. And I like you, I, I hope fans don't freak out if it's eight or seven. Right. Or even if it's six, like I hope fans don't freak out. If you make a bowl game, be happy next year. Yeah, because I mean, you are losing a lot on the defensive side of the ball too, and there's yeah. a ton of people in the portal, and some of them are going to Indiana, which rubs folks the wrong way because they think there's some shenanigans there. I got news for you: there's shenanigans That's every the time that happens. There's shenanigans there every time that happens, That's and you're learning a lot about Kurt Signetti that Leland and I already knew. He's never been a good guy. He just wore the right shade of purple for you before, and you overlooked a lot of stuff that he said out loud that was really dumb things to say on a microphone. Leland and I have already been there. This is not news to us. Now we can just be outward. Well, on most of the time I would have to forward him. you what he said because he had blocked you, so I had to forward you what he yeah, said. Well, yeah. I would see it from a certain person. <laughs> I would see the spin zone from a certain person, so I would still see it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, now we can just be more outward about it, and when he loses, yeah. we can actually cheer. Um, which, He's going to get pounded on next year. Which, by the way, I mean, them playing Ohio State and Michigan is just – chef's kiss yeah. next year i hope i i told leland i will be in rooting November against too. i will be rooting against indiana in every single game they play i hope they get annihilated uva yep. if you want me to root for you put indiana on the schedule i will root and for it's UVA not really because he left jmu it's because no we, it's we because really of rooting for Signetti it's because of the person he is we were rooting for jmu yeah. not Signetti. it's not business it's yeah. personal 
I just, I, I mean, I've been rooting for him to be going for so long. I was happy when he left. I yeah, was, that, was that was the weird thing. We were the yeah. only JMU fans texting each other celebration yeah. when he left because we were like, oh, good. Now we don't have to pretend to yeah. like this guy. Like, and my wife was in the middle of us doing it too. She, she loved it. So, all right, UVA is the last one I wanted to talk about. They didn't have the bowl games. So there's nothing to really break down. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how special their December signing day was. I, you know, they had some highlights and some high spots. I, I do see Virginia Tech playing bigger of a role in the state recruiting, kind of affecting what UVA was doing there. But Tony, Tony Elliott has a pedigree too, so I, I'm not saying they didn't get anybody. I just I didn't feel the the vibe from them that I'm sure UVA fans were wanting to see. So my big question for them is, do you think they make a bowl next year? I mean, they're three and nine this year, two and six in the conference. Do you do you think they improve enough to make a bowl next year? Um, six wins. Yeah, I, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Um, I, I I just don't see it. Uh, Richmond is probably a win. Then yeah. they play Maryland. Yeah. Uh, no. Maybe. They're not going to beat Maryland. No. I tend to agree with you. At Coastal, if you're going to a bowl game, you better. maybe. Yeah, if yeah. you're going to a bowl game, you better. At Notre Dame, no. Nope. Boston College at home, better. probably. Louisville at home, Ooh. UNC at home, SMU at home. Uh, I mean, their entire conference schedule at home. Yikes. I'm just not thinking they're beating bowl teams from right. last year. I agree. Next year. I just don't at see Clemson, that happen. no. At Pitt, no. better. At Tech, no. At no. Wake Forest, better. So with that, Richmond, Coastal, Louisville, that's three. Or, I'm sorry, not Louisville, Boston College. Uh, One, two, three. Then Pitt, four. Ooh, man, you've got to pick off Louisville. And you've got to pick off SMU or UNC at home. Oof. I, I think you got to go undefeated at home in the conference. And then that's one of those that we just said. And that's yeah. the UVA's problem is they, they lose a game they shouldn't. And then, might yeah, they'll knock off UNC or play tough against Miami, but then they've lost, but they've already lost these other games. Yeah. And the problem there is I, I just, it's under. I, I think it's under and I, I, I don't know if they're, if a bowl game is in their future. And that's bad for like we said, you got home has to be a fortress for them next year. If they're going to go into a bowl game. And I, that place just hasn't been a fortress. There have been plenty of teams going to Charlottesville and find, find wins. I think no bowl game next year. I, I think Tony Elliott's been through a Hot there and, and legitimate, not, not, I'd say that with a, uh, a breath out in that, I mean, that in a serious way, legitimate, yeah. he, they've been through a lot and in the most serious of ways. I do think though, far enough removed from some of that. I, I think if they don't make a bowl next year, that's, it's just not vibing the right way. Maybe if they get five wins, maybe if they're right on the cusp of a bowl, if you know, they're right there, maybe I'm wrong, but I think under five wins, I, I think that might right write it for him and i think they might just need to find a different direction and find a different yeah this, i just don't feel the vibe there like it just doesn't i don't know if it's ever felt right from the moment they hired him i just don't know if it felt right and i know they've had to battle through things that happened and i think he's handled a lot of that great but it just hasn't felt like the right fit to me and so i just wonder i just don't see the the pathway to it feeling right next year maybe i'll be wrong I agree. I think five wins, he's probably okay. The the heat will be turned up a little bit 
but he survives uh, less than five. I, I don't see him coming back. I, I just don't. I, and it's because and back in the day in college football, you always got four years, five, you know, that's not the sport anymore. I know it's a not, lot of people, you have three years. You're going to get rid of me. Don't even have all his guys. That's not the sport anymore, guys. Like that's, that's just the reality. And with the way the transfer sorry. portal is, uh, sorry, you have enough time to get your guys. Like you don't yeah. have to wait for a high school senior your first year to turn into the college senior to know if you're good college, or not. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I, I do think they would make a change. I, I think UVA fans who put a lot of pressure on Bronco Mendenhall are learning why that was a bad idea maybe. Um, because I, I think – He's at New Mexico? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah. I, I think I didn't think he was doing a bad job at UVA. And I he think was not doing a bad he job. Got, he got pushed out in a way that was – not necessarily pushed out, but there was just a, a ton of pressure to where he walked. He was like, I'm not dealing with this. And some of that is maybe he didn't feel like he was getting the support he needed from administration at UVA. But I think folks at UVA that are fans that were like, oh, good, if he didn't want to be here, you know, and found all these different ways to complain and, oh, Broncos weird and blah, blah, blah. Okay. You were in bowl games. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's not happening right now, and not all that is Tony Elliott's fault because, like you said, there's some stuff that just no coach wants to deal with or no program wants to have to deal with that he has navigated well. But at a certain point, it does come to on-the-field product, and it just hasn't been there under Tony Elliott. Yeah. All right, moving on to the rest of the bowl season. I will say on the Yak Bowl mania through ESPN that we did, uh, there's 10 of us in there. I'm going to finish second. The reason I'm not going to finish second is because Greg uh, Medea has done great. Uh, He overtook first about a week ago and then just clinched on it, especially with these college football playoff games. I got them both wrong yesterday. Uh, I had Bama in Texas and Michigan in Washington won. So uh, that solidified the win for him, but I I did solidify second there. But we'll try to get Greg on. I'm hoping as early as next week, but look for him in the coming weeks. We have plenty to talk to him about. Uh, so, but let's talk about those semifinals. Uh, Michigan, Bama, first in the Rose Bowl. Uh, it was a highly competitive game, that's for sure. And I thought, I've seen the SEC and the Big Ten play enough times. I thought that speed from the SEC, I thought the the defense from Alabama overall would be better. I did come alive in the second half and really shut Michigan down um, up until a point. Um, but the speed factor wasn't really a, a big discussion distinguishable thing we did see what was very evident on the field was Michigan's line both sides just pushing Alabama around and that's what uh led Michigan to a win now overtime win I mean that or um um overtime win seven point win so it was anybody's ball game it's not this isn't some kind of oh Michigan is just so superior to Bama. that's not what was proven it was a tight football game Michigan came out on top they were aggressive at some spots you thought they should have been more aggressive at other spots but they were aggressive enough when they needed to to get where they got got to overtime. You thought they should have gone for two in the win, um, but they beat Bama and uh, shut some people up, and uh, they're going to play for the national championship. Yeah, they end up winning the game. Um, I I did think they should have gone for two. I still think that's the right decision because um, you gave Bama a chance to beat you at the end, and it ended up that you stopped them in overtime because of an interesting decision to run a quarterback draw up the middle where was that play? Michigan is oh their toughest. I don't, I don't know if that was the original play or if because the snap was low, he panicked. Yeah. I don't know. 
to me, it would have made more sense to roll him out. And if there's nobody Get open, nobody open, then he runs, um, uses, get him out in space with his speed. Um, but that's not what happened. Michigan maybe ended up winning first. Maybe even roll him out and be like, you're, you're probably going to run, but look at these two guys and see if yeah. one of those two guys is open and make it easy on yourself. Yeah. But like he'd been running it all night. Yeah, I agree. Um, but they didn't do that. They went up the middle. Michigan stopped him and Michigan got the win. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this kind of is two different things. Um, I think what we've seen is, um, and, and you don't want to read too much into, you know, some a lot of these bowl games because the teams that played in the regular season aren't playing in the bowl games um, for two the most part. Teams. I agree. So I, I'm not big on big overall arching themes in bowl games. I will say Alabama losing to Michigan is two different things to me. One, NIL and the transfer portal and whatever is resulting in parity in college football. The college football playoff is going to expand. Which that's, isn't a bad thing. No, the college football playoff is going to expand and that's going to increase more parity in college football, which I think is good. Um, but also uh, you and I touched on this before the sec wasn't the sec this year. The, the sec that everybody's afraid of and nobody wants to play. And how are we ever going to beat a team if they end up on our non-conference schedule or if we have to play them in the playoff or bowl game. That's not the SEC this year. Bama looked very human in a lot of games this year. And and what hurt them in the regular season hurt them in this game. The line of scrimmage at Alabama this year was mm-hmm. not good. It was bad. And they got dominated up front. Michigan rammed it down their throat when they were on offense. And the offensive line at Alabama struggled with Michigan. They could not get the ground game going for up the middle anyway. Now, Milrow, toward the end, started to be able to run to the outside some and had some success there, yeah. and that that helped. Their defense was got a lot better in the second half, and that's what kept them right there. Yeah, but uh, – yeah, and I, I know I texted you. I can't believe they didn't go for two, but um, the other thing that almost killed Michigan was special teams, and, and man, you got to think. As high as Alabama's punter was, we'll talk about the Washington game here in a second. Washington had some pretty high punts, too. If that kid's returning punts again, uh-oh. Like, that was an adventure. And if he was one yard further back, Alabama beats <laughs> Michigan because Michigan gets a safety. And, yeah, they beat him by two. And look, I would have loved it. That Here's the thing. The Rose Bowl was my joy was only going to be so high no matter who won that game. Because either Alabama and the SEC win, and I hear about how great the SEC is, and they're just amazing, and this is the greatest conference ever, and I don't even know why we play let these other conferences in. We should just have the top four team from the SEC play in a playoff every year. Blah, 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 blah. Either I'm listening to that, or this guy who cheated, uh, and, you know, oh, Michigan's had to battle adversity all year with their coach not being there half the time. I'm like, uh, they're battling adversity that they themselves inflicted upon themselves. Like, yeah, that's like saying, wow, you overcame, you know, your house burning down. You put that fire out real good. Yeah. Wow. You know, you were homeless for a while after your house burned down and you overcame it. Ignoring the fact that you poured lighter fluid all over your house 
in a drunken celebration of some sort and then dropped a match <laughs> on the 4th of July and shot fireworks at your house and then it all burned down and everything you owned with it. Like, okay, I guess congrats, but you did it to yourself. Weird flex. I don't know. Um, but I, the second game was a game that I also picked Texas. I also wanted Texas to win uh, just because I picked them. But that was the opposite. No matter who won that game, I was going to be excited. And I'm rooting forward to beat Michigan. And it ends up being Washington in what was another thrilling game. I will say this. For the college football playoff committee, they're all patting each other on the back, shaking hands, and high-fiving. Like, this was mission accomplished for them. That was the best college football playoff semifinals ever. Yeah. It was... Two great games. It was an overtime game. Uh, okay, if I'm also nitpicking, I didn't need to see the post-game celebration at the Rose Bowl. Because that meant that we kicked the Sugar Bowl deeper and deeper into a 9 o'clock slot. And I was just like, dude, I want to watch this game. Please kick it off. Say if you want to watch the Rose Bowl celebration and watch Jim Harbaugh get pleasured on a stage, just... <laughs> Turn tune it to ESPN plus. The deuce even. Or the deuce. Put it on anything. Yeah, put it on the deuce and then we'll kick it to the the sky cam footage or delay the sideline coverage. It wasn't Pat McAfee on the other one. It's Booger McFarland and somebody else on the other in the Sugar Bowl. Pat McAfee was at the Rose Bowl. But yeah, like that coverage, the sideline coverage or whatever they call it. We'll we'll go to that after, you know, the national celebration of Jim Harbaugh and his cheating. Like, then then we move on, and that game starts, and the Texas-Washington game, it's just, when Washington would score, Texas would answer. Washington would score, Texas would answer. Punt, punt, Washington scored, Texas answers, halftime, 21-21. And it was at halftime that I I look at the clock, and and I just said to myself, I was like, ugh, I'm going to hate myself tomorrow. Like, yeah. and then you just, I just I knew it. Because I had the over. So. I knew <laughs> I it because I was like, this over. is going to suck tomorrow, happy. but I'm not going to turn this game off because it's amazing. Yeah. And it, good. it lived up. And Washington had a two-score lead at one point, and I was like, oh, man, what a disappointing end. But then Texas came back. And then Washington. I love that rule, by the way, that the clock stops when there's an injured player on that team. I love that rule. Because I don't want teams pulling shenanigans of, oh, well, let's reset the play clock and take some more time down here. Like, so for the clock to be stopped, it buys Texas like 20 extra seconds. And then they get 15 free yards after that on a fair catch interference. They got rear. And the drive was awesome. I mean, they they were doing great until they get to the 15 yard line. And then it's like someone took a bunch of stupid pills. And yeah, running the screen pass, the, line of scrimmage. the yeah. screen pass, I honestly, I don't know who's calling plays. That's a fireable offense. That's screen pass when you have, you know, 20 less, 20 seconds or less to score from the 15 yard line. I was like, that's dumb. That was dumb. When he, when they, when I saw the screen pass, I was like, that's a dumb play. And then luckily Quinn Ewers just gets rid of it before getting sacked to buy himself one second on a fourth down. But then the route you run is a fade to the pylon. Man, the easiest route to defend. Just, I don't get it. I thought that was weird, too. Washington did enough to win. Michael Penix Jr., 
phenomenal game. That, that guy's good. I'm, I'm telling you, of yeah. all the quarterbacks in the draft, I know we're talking about, you know, they talk about the guy from LSU that won the Heisman, uh, whose name's is Jaden Daniels, I think. USC. Yeah. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Those are the names that Bo Nix, those are the names that pop up first. If I was an NFL team, Michael Penix Jr. is who I want more than anyone because that guy dropped the ball in the bucket against a good Texas secondary, dropped the ball in the yep. bucket multiple times in that game. And Man, I, I just I love watching him pe- play. I hope that they can do that against Michigan. I hope that defense keeps playing well and beats Michigan. I think the matchup for Michigan losing, I think the matchup against Texas would have been worse because Texas really doesn't let you run the ball, um, and that's yeah. what Michigan wants to do. I, I, think I Michigan do, got what they wanted out of that. Yeah, I I do have fears that Michigan will move the ball a little bit better against Washington than they would Texas and maybe win. I hope I'm wrong. I love Washington. I want them to hey. win. Michigan they, can hang a banner that someday they take down. You know, it's fun. That's uh, part of me will love that. Me too. All right. Um, so the national championship a week from now, Michigan, Washington. Uh, I imagine we'll have another Tuesday night record next week. Yep. Uh, other bowl games, just to say quick words about, um, I'll start with one here, Tennessee, Iowa, uh, the uh, over under was 36 and a half. I was screaming at the TV with Tennessee at the five yard line up 35, nothing with under a minute, still running plays, not kneeing it out. But we got that under, I made that bet as they announced the bowl game. So I was happy to get that. Yeah. The 36 and a half was got scary at the end, but yeah, luckily Tennessee yeah. didn't stick the dagger in and just took the under. You got one. Uh, I mean, Oregon did what we thought they would. It took them a little longer to get going than I thought, but they ended up I'd have winning. preferred 60 on, on them, but eh. uh, same message. Sent. But I, I actually don't want to talk about a game. Kirby Smart, um, kind of in, in, the, in the Orange Bowl press conference, uh, let loose yeah. a little bit with saying, you know, that the NCAA needs to fix this. And I the the answer is not easy. Because the playoffs going to help. The playoff will help. It will help in that bowl game in particular, because now that bowl game is always a quarterfinal or a semifinal. But yeah, for but for the top ten teams, it'll really it helps. Help, like, but in terms yeah. of other bowl games, the the problem is not going to be fixed. And no. it the, at least the way it is now. I heard you know I listened to Levitard and I thought the one guy had a pretty decent idea. The beginning of the season has turned into this how many teams can play neutral site games at the beginning of the year anyway. Just have, hey, if you win six games, you get to go to whatever bowl, and it's now the week zero. It it counts on your record for next year. Week zero, you play in this bowl against this team. It just matches up based on the conferences or whatever. And the Bulls pick whoever they want for that next year game. I, I don't hate that. And the the biggest I the biggest thing he said was uh people say, well, it's not the same team. You're not getting the same team in this bowl game now. Yeah. At least the players are gonna that play in it are there's there's stakes. The thing is, they're like who's pushing there's no breathing living breathing commissioner for this thing to try to fix this 
People no. still watch these bowl games, even when Florida State doesn't have anybody. All the Florida State people still tune in. It was the like, highest rated. And ESPN owns half these bowl games. Like no one that's deciding the money really cares. It was the matter. highest They're rated Orange watching. Bowl that wasn't a playoff game. Yeah, look at that. So it's just it's it is what it is a little bit. I, anybody that's talking crap on FSU, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, I told you, FSU, whatever I, just, I told you, I will say there's going to be this stigma about FSU in the next year or two, yeah. because you look back and you see 63 to three, good Lord, they're going to forget. You're not going to quickly be like, oh yeah, they didn't have any players, but Georgia was missing a good amount of players. But like, so it, it all doesn't make sense. I don't like this December that used to be February, right? February was the signing day. Mm-hmm. You had January to recruit. Why? I don't know what the push to get it into December was or get an additional one in December. There's still that February signing day. I don't know what – if you get that signing day out of here, I think we have less coaches moving. We have less players moving. I, I just think we need to get this out of there. Get it in January or, or like – I don't know, but just get it out of December. I, I think um... – I don't know what the point – I don't know what they were shooting to achieve. With moving it to December, I don't know. Um, but I actually, I actually don't know how many problems moving that solves. Because um, I still think you're going to have players not wanting to play in a quote unquote exhibition game at the end of the year. That doesn't matter. But all these um, guys, it, uh, there's a big number of these guys that are in the portal not playing. Like we're going to a different college playing. I'm yeah, saying, no, I think they already know before the, the bowl game. Already, you could still play that out. I still think they know they're transferring out at the end of the year anyway. But they're not like committing somewhere else already. Like they, they you have these guys committing the second week of December, third week of December to a different school. I mean, yeah. he's landed all sorts of guys. Like you don't have that and they can still play. We have guys already saying I'm out of here, but I'm going to play this bowl game. It can just push the, the talk, the decisions three weeks later. And like, I think you're going to gain those kids back. The kids go in the NFL the, are, you know what? I don't know how to solve that. I really don't know how to solve that. But that's such a minor number compared to what, like, there's so many kids going in the portal. I Get that out of the mix, and I, it'll help. Maybe, the I don't know. playoff's going to help. Because you're going to have the top ten. The, the playoff team, is going to help. The teams you give a shit about are going to be still having their teams. Yeah, the, the, I agree there. I, I think that that helps. Um, but Because we're not crying about these teams down the Ole Miss not have. well, maybe Ole Miss. They're in the, they were the eighth team or ninth team, whatever they were. I don't know. Tennessee not having players. We're not crying about that. Whatever. I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you might be, but um, yeah, I get your, better. I get your overall point. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you know. To me, the story of the bowl season was the gimmicks. The Duke yeah, Mayo Bowl. No, you needed to know. I was saving it. Oh, okay. <laughs> then I won't talk about it here then, if you're going to talk about it later. Just, I hold, it. Just hold it for a minute. Let's jump then. to the NFL. Uh, we'll talk about more about college basketball next week. I, we're going long, so I just want to – we'll we'll move on. ACC season's picking up, so tune in. Talk about it next week. Uh, NFL, we're one week away from the end of the regular season here. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Steelers-Ravens game because I'm hoping the Ravens are resting some guys on Saturday and the Steelers can be contending for a playoff spot. They'll need some help. Um so I'm, I'm hoping that comes together because I, I have no, I have no want of being the first team out of the playoffs. You, you know, you have the same, a similar record, similar draft pick, but not being in the playoffs. I'd rather just be in the playoffs. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but I, I have the note here. What surprised you from week 17? That's a common thing we do on this podcast. 
apparently not much because uh, I, I seemed to have a good forecast of what was going to happen on Sunday. And uh, it was beneficial to my wallet. So I was happy about that. Um, I will say the end of the Lions-Cowboys game, which I guess was Saturday night, that was fun to watch. And it was kind of just surprising how it went. Uh, you knew Dan Campbell was going to go for it if he scored to um, get right there within a point of the Cowboys. He does, and then he does, and then he does. He tried for two. There's some nonsense we'll talk about more where the guy was ruled ineligible or what didn't declare. We'll talk about that in a second. They ran it again from like the 10-yard line. Then the Cowboys were offsides, and they ran it again from the five-yard line. Then they got denied. That was a fun way to end a game, uh, just to watch them keep trying to go for two. I commend them for going for two. Didn't work out for them. Um, but it makes – I don't know. I like rooting for the line, so that was fun. I hate I like rooting against the Cowboys, so it was really fun. I just wish it would have worked the opposite way. Yeah. Uh, like you, I was on – it ended up being, I think, the Lions plus five and a half or something was the investment. That was insane. That is when I saw that, I was like, "Yeah, that feels like the the Ravens Niners spread to me." Um, and it was. I mean, the Lions definitely covered that. And my only fear was after they had the ineligible uh, receiver rule that that was going to back them up, and then Dan Campbell would kick the extra point. But Dan Campbell didn't disappoint. He's Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, Dan he Dan Campbelled it all the way. Yeah. Then they threw a pick, but there was a guy offside. So they got to five yards back, and then they yeah. threw it again, and it didn't work. But I. I have a big problem when I see video of these two players going up to the official, talking to them. There's the only one thing they talk to the official about at that time. Mm-hmm. Both the players are there and then they come out of it. And then as soon as the game's over and like all the, everything's been had, they said he wasn't, didn't declare. It seems like he tried to declare. Those players said we did declare the referee just seems to flub it up. It's the same referee that, that, they, that crew made some bad calls at the end of a Chiefs game a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to talk about Travis Kelsey, but I'll talk about two pass interference calls that didn't get called at the end of that game that I think are messed up. Well, what worries me most, Joe, and I don't know if you know this. I do know guess this. What game the referee in this? I week? was gonna, I was getting ready to say I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to make you more stressed out, but they're doing our game next week. So I, I already told my cousin, like, who's a Lions fan? He sent me that today, and I was like. Oh, they better not screw that game up because this isn't funny anymore. It was funny when it was your team. It's not funny now. Like, here's my thing. Why, if these people aren't lined up in a position that makes them an an eligible receiver, why do they ever need to report? Why even have that rule? That you have to come in and tell the referee, hey, by the way, I'm eligible. Now that your numbers can be whatever, I really don't get it. Yeah. When it used to be, if you wore a 60 or a 70, they just knew you're not allowed to catch the ball and you'd have to report, hey, I'm playing tight end this time. You know, I'm playing on the end. I can go out there. I, I got it then. Now that you can wear whatever damn number you want, I, I really don't understand. Uh, to me, if he's lined up in a position and he's not covered up, yeah, he should like be eligible. School. Why, why is, is he not? School. Yeah, I, that, to me, that's a dumb. Is, if you line up on the end, to me, that's dumb. There. To me, that's dumb. That's a dumb rule. Um, it's dumb to me that the NFL couldn't see that, buzz down, and say, don't do that. Uh, this goes back to the age old, sometimes there needs to be somebody in New York that just buzzes down to the field, to the officials down the field, and says, hey, you messed up. We're going to fix this because this is too important. You went 
from having the Lions potentially being a two seed um, to now they're probably going to be a three seed. And that that changed the outcome of the game. And instead of talking about a fantastic Lions-Cowboys football game, we're talking about yeah. these the referees. Uh, referees can't get do their job. Like, they keep messing it up. And like, again, we're not talking about the Kelsey play. Both of us agree on the Kelsey play. It could have been cool, but it, the guy was offside. It was the other plays at the end of that game that they messed up. There were yeah. plays beyond that that they messed up. And this same crew was on this game, and they mess up. And the same crew was on this Raven-Steelers game this year, this week that is going to be being played for something. Steelers are trying to make the playoffs. That's what I well, think. It, it may have cost the Eagles the division because if Dallas loses that game, as bad as the Eagles' yeah. loss to the Cardinals is, it doesn't cost them a division. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, now, so, that what surprised us? The Eagles. I, what is going on there? I mean, look, I yeah. love it. But to lose to the Cardinals, and they had a lead in that game and blew it to the Cardinals. That's a team, honestly, I'd be hitting the panic button. Yeah, I, you know, earlier in the season, we saw the 49ers lose a couple games in a row to the Browns, who are very much in this playoff picture. They lost to, um, they lost to teams that, okay, you can live with Bengals that were just eliminated this week. These Arizona Cardinals are terrible, and the Eagles just lost to them. I I was one to say stop panicking about the Eagles just a couple weeks ago. I, I yeah, that was a really now really you pull bad out the game. hammer and break the glass because it's an emergency. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, that Dolphins Bills game means a lot to me. It's the Sunday night game mm-hmm. uh, that decides the division, but the Bills could find themselves on the outside looking in if they lose that. That's wild. Um, so that is crazy. So it's an, it makes for an interesting week as we come out of college football. That's going to be a fun weekend of into the regular season for the NFL. It's going to kind of crank up the urgency there, and then we'll go into the playoffs where obviously there's urgency. So it's a good time there for uh, postseason football. Uh, and again, national championship game Monday night next week. Can't wait. Um, we're rooting for Washington with you. So sorry, TJ. Though I will say, TJ listens sometimes, so I'll, I'll be talking to him. I, I did talk to him tonight, but. Um, we, we've talked about uh, his son, Jeremiah, who's been through a lot uh, with his treatments and everything. There's a great video of TJ and his son celebrating that Michigan win. I don't like Michigan. I have, was not rooting for him. And heck, I was trying to kick him out of the playoff. That video, if you have access to that uh, from following what Jeremiah does, watch that video. It's it's It shows what college football fandom is. If I could share it, I would. It, it's not an option on on that social media to, to share that one. But if you know them, if you've seen other stuff from them, go find that video because it was, it's, it, it shows the feeling. My favorite thing is with TJ. He's, he's yelling, he's celebrating, he high fives his son, he comes back and he has another good yell. And you can kind of see like mentally, he's like, okay, that's the end of my yelling. As that, and then as he kind of straightens back up, this just roar just comes out of him. It's like all this pressure is releasing. And I was like, man, I have felt that feeling before uh, of like just the release of like happiness and, and all that. It was, it was a great moment. Um, so happy for him is, is the way I will phrase, uh, well, and I texted, I, I texted you during, I don't remember, maybe during both games. Um, but when I was watching the Alabama Michigan game, I know I said there was, I was only going to be so happy. I still loved the atmosphere and it's what college football is. That's, that's why I love college football and the bands playing and both bands were awesome in that game. Um, but 
the Mr. Brightside to start the fourth quarter and the entire stadium is singing that's it. That's what the Rose Bowl does. Oh. I, I think that's your answer of I don't need to watch the ceremony of the trophy for but that's, I think that's part of the deal with the Rose Bowl. I no, think it's they not. Have like nope. The game, the game, we everything the going bands, on in the game. We do this. Yep. And we show I'm fine with all that. Yeah. I'm fine with all that. But then the game's over. Just do it on a different network. The game's yeah. over. Other network. Get out of the way because yeah. we got the Sugar Bowl. And the Sugar Bowl was awesome because the fans were awesome there too. Yeah. So let's kick it into the D block and stick with college football. My what you need to know is what Joe was already saying he needs to know. Uh it, the 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 fun stuff of this bowl season what what's fun outside of the playoffs is just some of these gimmicks that they have when you have the pop tart bowl and you got these pop tart characters walking all over the place end up going in a toaster end up <laughs> having a pop tart like a six foot tall pop tart for the players to eat it's incredible when you have the mayo being poured all over the winning coach and the mayonnaise by all the announcers you know dipping different things and talking about mayonnaise throughout the game it's just it's something. It's something different that you're not getting every week of the season. When you got the cheese, it's getting dumped out of the like. That's great. Like honestly, if I am a company that has something that could really work for that, I'm getting into this bowl thing because like, how much free publicity are you getting for that? I'm sure it costs a good amount of money to be the title sponsor of one of these. I guarantee you, no one knew what Duke's mayonnaise was before three years ago outside of the absolute South. I mean, the North learned what Duke's mayonnaise was when they dumped that thing all over Shane Beamer. You know, uh, the Pop-Tarts, everybody knows what Pop-Tarts were, but no one's thought about them since they were eight years old. Now we're all laughing about these guys dancing. It's awesome. So like, I love it. Keep it going. I think we need to do better with some of the existing one. I know we have the bad boys mowers. They should be mowing around the outside of the field the entire time. I don't know. Like you got to do something. You can be shooting grass on the field while you're playing. I don't know. I don't know. We got to do something. Yeah. I don't know what the answer to the bad boy mowers bowl is, um, but <laughs> But yeah, it, as a person that mows, I have a zero turn mower. I want us represented out here. <laughs> the Pop Tarts Bowl was hilarious. I I think that was yes. my favorite bowl outside of the college football playoff, yeah. and it had nothing to well, do with the put game. It on the toaster, it was great. Oh my gosh, because he start the game starts and he's coming out of the fake toaster and he's yes. like walking around, doing different yes. dances and celebrating and just getting on the TV and interacting with the mascots and all that the, from the yeah. schools. We don't need Matthew McConaughey on the sidelines. We need and then at the end of the game, he gets lowered back into the fake toaster with the sign yes. that said dreams really do come true, which I was like, what a weird <laughs> dream for the Pop-Tart to have to get killed. But whatever, I guess. And then, yeah, Love then it. a real Pop-Tart comes out the bottom and the players eat it. That was awesome. That that was when yeah. they told they, – because they said that was going to happen. I was a little confused because they didn't explain all of it, but they're like – there's going to be a life-size edible mascot. And I was like, how are they going to know that they're eating the Pop-Tart and not a human? That seems upsetting. But It worked. But then, it but then when they did it, I was like, oh, that's how. And when yeah. they said it, though, I was like, I don't know how that's going to work, but that sounds awesome. And it was. Yeah. It was awesome. I'm gonna that's out. off I'm the Pop-Tarts. I'm going to buy some Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Celebrate creativity. Celebrate Love good it. ads. Punish bad ads. Celebrate good ads. If we're going to have these useless bowl games or everybody's opting out of, let's at least make it fun. And they've done that. At least a few of those. We need more of it. Yeah. Um, What's dominating my life? I'll jump first and then let you wrap us up with what you have and get us out of here. Uh, I'm about to watch Slow Horses on Apple Plus. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And uh, there's three seasons of it, six episodes each. So there's 18 waiting on me. I'm just saying it out loud ahead of watching it. 
Uh, Joe, have you seen it? No, and I, not loving. Well, tell me what it is first. Gary Oldman, who's a fine actor, he is. Uh, it's like British intelligent rejects uh, get put, and they are still trying to be special intelligence for for British people. Okay. Um, and it's like MI6. obviously there's ones that don't think that they should be demoted to this, so they're going to still be trying to be good. It looks good. I've heard a lot of people say great things about it recently, so that's why I'm jumping in. Um, so I think it'll be, I don't know, we've gotten drawn into some like political shows with the diplomat. Obviously, we're watching West Wing all the time, but like the diplomat mm-hmm. that we've watched and and other political stuff, it seems like with British intelligence that, you know, there's a, a tie to that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Um, it, you know, it's not US based, but I, I don't know. I'm going to give it a try. I've heard, I've heard too many good things not to give it a try right now. Okay. So I'm saying it out loud in case anybody else wants to watch around now and hear my comments in the coming weeks. Okay. If I also want to watch a couple Oscar movies between now and March, I want to I want to know what these Oscar movies. Are. Last year I knew none of them, so I will at least try. A recommendation for you if you're looking for like a political thriller, Secret City on Netflix. It's right. Australian Thank based, you. but it was really good. Watch that over the winter break. Um, two seasons on Netflix. I enjoyed both of them. Um, cool. The show I've watched, though, uh, is one that you recommended, The Bear. Yeah. I loved it. The The season two, episode you six. seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Season two, episode six, Fishes. <laughs> fishes? Yeah, the Fishes episode where they have the family dinner. At Christmas. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Oh man. That's an incredible episode. That was high television. That was high television. Season two really like flexed muscle. Season one, there was good things and they were setting you up and they got you moving. And that transition from one to two, like that's what grabbed me. That's what I had to get to. But then season two, they're just like, here's this episode that just feels different than all the rest, but it's really good. And then here's this episode that's a blast into the past. That's freaking amazing and well, here's and this I, episode where we see maybe the best character development that we've ever seen in a show like this where he goes from the same dumb ass that you've watched for two seasons and you finally see him click and you, you you see him get like you love it and it pays off yeah and all this every time you just grunt like groaned at what he was doing or saying or how he was acting and it finally pays off it's great yeah i'm glad you watched it yeah i i i agree with everything you just said but that's season six, because or episode six of season two, that that was oh, one yeah. where I mean, it's a star-studded cast, star-studded cast in that episode. Comes in. Yeah, yeah, the mom is so great. She's yeah. in it. Um, Britta, if you watch Community, is in it. Um, yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, Mo- just uh, Mul- Mulvaney, Mulvaney, uh, Mulvaney or yeah. not Mulvaney? I said that because that's what Dave Levitar calls him. That's not his name. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah there was a bunch john mulaney john mulaney yeah um yeah it's great it, and then oh. some, and then the characters you're used to seeing are in there yeah, yeah. it's just it's great because i really like the i guess the uncle is what they call him or whatever but like he's he's an interesting guy and I, i've liked him in a lot of things that yeah, he's been platt? in platt so. oliver platt oliver platt yeah because he's yeah. great on west wing mm-hmm. but he's also in a movie with uh Matthew Perry once that was really good. So, 
Yeah, I, I think he does a good job in that show. I I, yeah. I like the cast in that show, and I, yeah. I've loved it so far. I mean, there's that, but that episode. I mean, without spoiling anything, I mean, it is honestly, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's high stress the entire episode. Absolutely, but I but loved it. Enjoyable. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, I, there are episodes, even of shows I like. There are still episodes that like I'll occasionally look at my phone or see what's going on or get distracted by something going on while I'm watching it. That was an episode I literally couldn't turn away from the, and it wasn't, the TV. And that's what's cool about that is like you'll watch shows where like, okay, maybe you're not checking your phone because of the action or you're watching where things – like this is three rooms. Yeah. <laughs> the whole show takes place in three rooms and anything's moving ahead, being moved ahead with words and conversation. Yeah. And you, it is absolutely stressful at your seat. The, you the joy of that you episode – You do not know what's going to happen next. Yeah. No, you don't. You think you do, and you don't. Now, there was one scene where, like, somebody loses their mind, storms out, and a character <laughs> makes a comment, and I was I was rooting for the spark to kick off the next thing. I was rooting for I was like, oh, please do this, please do this, please. And he does, and I was like, yes! <laughs> and then, of course, you're thinking, oh, this is the crescendo, and then... Something else happens that you're like, holy <laughs> hell. Which you said that episode doesn't feel like any of the other episodes. And it's true. No, it no, doesn't. No. I mean, it's different. There's another one that I was more referencing. Yes, that, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's a different feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different feel than the rest of the show. But that episode in particular, I think, explains why oh, yeah. certain characters are the way they are in that show because you're like, Holy crap! If that was my family, they, I don't know how I would. They built function. you up to need that background, and they yeah. did that really well. And you didn't know it at the time. You didn't know it until you got there, and you're like, "Ah, thank you." The other one that I thought in the second season was when the um, the one chef gets sent overseas, and it was it was just like, yeah, it was an artsy episode, and that's the one that really feels different. The dessert it chef, it was a great little episode, and then there's a lot of things that tie to it before and after that. That's really great. So. Yep. I agree. Um, Good. I'm glad you watched it. My parents watched it too. So I actually haven't talked to my mom about that. So uh, maybe this, she, since our listener will have heard this, she'll, it'll probably spark a conversation between her. But the other, the other thing that um, I know that you need to know uh, was New Year's Eve. Had a great time. Um, It's, you know, if you're not into it, that's cool. Um, Got together with some friends and we had a good time. There was some, some uh, partaking of adult beverages. There was, uh, we were I responsible. Don't like New Year's, the way it's portrayed in TV and movies, and like the go out and party. Oh, type of New Year's. No, like I, I always to get together. Like that's my vibe. Uh, like, I, but see, so I don't do that like, either. We stay in and have a great time with friends. Oh well, we get together at somebody's house. We don't go yeah. out out like. And, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then yeah. Then I'm with over. you. Yeah. Then I'm with you because I don't like going out but to dress like dress up and go to a. Mm-hmm. I don't like dollar. that. No. No, I don't like that either. So I'm with you now. Um, but we yeah. got together as as a friend group. Uh, some of us uh, that didn't have to work the next day, and uh, hung out, partaked in some adult beverages. We were responsible. We didn't leave once we started, and perfect. Um, played games. We were in the guy who was hosting. We were in his game room. He had multiple TV set up. So we got. The Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve that's hosted by Ryan Seacrest now, which I, I don't know why it's called Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve anymore, but that's kind of a weird Dick thing. Dick Clark's 
Dick and Eve. Yeah. Yeah. That's going on on one TV. <laughs> we got the sound for that on while we're playing some games and we got a blast from the past with Mario party. Cause he had a switch and we played that game and that was a laugh riot because after you've had a few beverages, you know, you say things that you can't say on a podcast while you're playing Mario party with your friends. And the one character is a computer <laughs> character that we're all trying to kill. And yeah, it was, it was a great time. We had a, we had a lot of fun. And then of course uh, the next day, you know, we're, getting ready for football and we all go our separate ways. And then we're texting each other anyway, during the football games. And that was wild. And it was, it was a great weekend for football because the NFL Saturday night was good. NFL Sunday was pretty good. And then you had new year's Eve that Sunday and then it rolled in. Yep. So you had the new year's Eve that night, the Sunday night game was whatever. That was kind of a real poop fest. Um, but it was the it was the cap on what I had going, so it was yeah. lovely for me. Like you, I I did pretty well <laughs> on Sunday. Um but yeah. um then it rolled over into uh Monday, which was just fantastic college football and I, I hope that the college football national championship can be a good game or Washington blows Michigan out, one of those two. Um I do think it would be hilarious if I hope it's a good game. Washington wins, and then the Pac-12 no longer exists. Yeah, that's fine. I'm fine with that. I do love that. Um, I did think it was ironic that the two, the Big Ten and future Big Ten, the Big Ten team beat the SEC team, and the future Big Ten team beat the future SEC team. I did think that was kind of funny, too. Um, I'm sure Paul Feinbaum. I don't think the SEC is dead or anything. Like, SEC still... No, it's dead. Let's kill it. It's dead. Um, that's what I hear when they separation. That's what I've been hearing when the sec wins, it means more when they lose. Well, these games didn't matter. So now they do matter. These two do matter. You're dead. You're dead. (laughs) Your conference is dead. Your conference is dead. Power to Fox power to the big 10. So that's why I'm not on board. Yeah. Power to the big 10 power to Fox. ESPN is a tiny network, baby network with an inferior conference. Um, (laughs) Really quickly before we do go, because it, it is a major news story. Florida State trying to oh, sue yeah. their way out of the ACC. I don't see how that's going to go well for them. But at some point, we knew someone was going to try. I don't know if we thought it was going to be this season. It seems emotional to me. It does. Um, here's at the some thing. point, someone was going to try to do this, and we kind of knew it was going to be Florida State. So The getting out isn't the hard part. Sooner than later. The getting out of the conference isn't the hard part. It's the getting your money after you leave that's going to be the hard part. Yeah. And that's the part that, like, Florida State is losing up to half a billion dollars. Yeah. And, like, where you have to go to – like, they can only go to the Big Ten for them to start to beg for the money out of that conference because the SEC ain't going to do it because the SEC is like, we already got Florida in the TV market. We're not giving you – we're not making up that money for you. But here's the thing, Leland. I, I, I don't think it matters because the way – it is written in the grant of rights is any media money goes to the ACC. It doesn't go to Florida State. goes to the ACC then. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's a way, I mean, I guess I assume there's a way around it. But, I, like, 
I, that's I a lot of Chick-fil-A bags. That's a lot of Chick-fil-A bags of cash that would have to be smuggled in to a back room. You'd, pr- you'd probably still have to have them on Sunday to make it happen. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot for six days a week. Um, but <laughs> I just, I find it, I, I don't think that's going to go well for them. Uh, they seem super confident. The ACC seems super confident. And normally, when these things happen, you see them settle out of court. I don't think this one settles out of court. I think the ACC pushes it. I think the ACC says, let's yeah. go to court. And now, yeah. part of me is like, if this, if the ACC loses, that opens up a Pandora's box. That that's the end of the ACC. It's that's, the end of the ACC because everybody bolts. The beginning of the end quickly. Everybody bolts, but also when this inevitably happens, because right now you're right. It'd be a power two between the big 10 and the sec. Eventually one of them is going to try to get the other one. And if the grant of rights in the ACC has already been said, that's not really a thing you can do. Katie bar the door. Cause it is going to be a madhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of the Exports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you're subscribing on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find us on Twitter, YAC Sports Pod, or Facebook, YAC Sports Pod. Or you can email us, Yak Sports Pod, that's spelled YAC Sports Pod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Who are your Shenandoah District favorites in boys and girls basketball? As Leland said, if you have that wrestling info, please let us know because we are trying our best to keep up with all the high school sports, but we are mortals and we can only do so much. So until then, folks, we'll be talking about the national championship next week and we'll have NFL playoff pictures where hopefully the Ravens aren't playing Cleveland or Buffalo because those are really the only two teams that scare me right now. Um, the Ravens because, or the Browns, because this is still regular season. Joe Flacco playoff. Joe Flacco is a whole other level. And if he's doing this good before the playoffs, I'm terrified of what playoff Joe Flacco is going to look like. Um, the bills, because I just, I don't know. That's a team. I don't want to see, but we just got better offensively after they got a new offensive coordinator. We just blew out the Miami dolphins. So I'm not scared of them. The chiefs don't look scary. The Steelers are this. I'm not worried about Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I mean the AFC South. I mean, I bring them on. I'm hoping you guys take this week off so we can beat you. But yeah, I don't want to play in the playoffs. Yeah, it's. I honestly, don't think you guys are making the Super Bowl though. I do not think the Ravens are making the Super Bowl. I'll say that out loud. I don't know who you got. I hear you. Not you. That I'm taking the field. Cleveland. I'm taking the field. Cleveland, there are there are some interesting storylines for week one of the playoffs, potentially, or the, that first round of the playoffs, potentially, uh, like Detroit and L.A. That would be interesting. Matt Stafford. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that next week, because this week there is still one more week and a lot of different things can happen in the NFL. And there's that national championship game. Leland's right. We will record Tuesday because I will not have the patience to do Monday. So after that game. So uh, until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed the Yak Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.